Hey, today, uh, the standout moment we're going to talk about is we're exploring our standout moment through love. Now, love is a really big uh, topic. Loving people, um, and I think in 2023, has become difficult. And the reason I think it's become difficult is because it's become confusing. We don't know how to love people because everybody has a different definition of love. In fact, I will tell you in American culture, in American language, one of the disheartening things is, is we've really uh, stripped down the true meaning and purpose of love. And so um, loving people through things like disagreements, failure. How about the general mess of humanity? <laughs> now, I'm human, and so I generally make a mess. So uh, this is the question. As a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, how are we going to love people through this? There's a famous song, all, all We Need Is Love. And a lot of times people will say, well, I know how to fix the world's problem. We just need to love one another. And my question is, um, all we need is love as a solution to the world's problems that's been ringing out through generations. The problem is the world's definition of love changes in season. So if you look back in history, uh, you know, we had, we had a, a season of tough love. Then in the 60s, what, we went through like free, free love right? Love is free. And it was just like, okay, I won't, I won't get into that. Perhaps some of you were born out of it. But 2023, we live in a time and a space where it's all about self-love. So we have the dominance of the selfie, the dominance of self-care. Not to say that we shouldn't care for ourselves, we have the dominance of self. Self-love says something like this. Any love that makes me accountable to anything but my own desires is not love at all. In fact, we sit in a time and a space that we say that it's actually hateful. If you ask me to be accountable in my life with love, you hate me. And it's just not that simple. So it's, if you don't let me be me, then you really don't love me. We like to say, uh, maybe you've heard this, love looks like something. So we try to make it practical. Well, love looks like something. And that's a current love slogan, but... Here's my question. How do I, really, how do I live in this world the way that I just described? How do I live in this world by love and loving others? This is the question. So the big idea today is we need a way of loving and being loved that is not attached to the seasons of human reason and desire. Let me say that again. The big idea this morning is we need a way of loving and being loved that is not attached to the seasons of human reason and desire. It needs to be outside of who we are in our humanity because we change. Today we're going to read a passage in a book called Mark. Uh, it is one of what we call one of the Gospels. 
It's in the new part of the Bible, the New Testament. This is an account of Jesus' life, of him uh, walking and, and growing with his followers and him going to the cross. And we're about to celebrate Easter as a celebration of this, of him dying and resurrecting. So we call it Resurrection Sunday. Um, culture calls it Easter and what's going on in this passage that I'm about to read is the religious leaders are trying to trap Jesus into saying something wrong so that they can punish him. It, th- this is the OG cancel culture. Look, here, 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 here's, here, here's what I would love, a side note, what I would love to point out to you. The Bible is so relevant to today because there's nothing new under the sun is a scripture that the Bible says. So when we see cancel culture in our society today, it's just that we have more mediums to to move in this cancel culture. Cancel culture existed thousands of years ago. Jesus, in fact, was like the one who saw cancel culture to the point of death. Um, So what I love about scripture is, is that it's relevant to our lives today. We we, got to dig in a little bit. So if we dig in a little bit to this scripture where these religious leaders are trying to catch Jesus so they can cancel him, and they come to him, and one of the teachers, it says in verse 28, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate that there was this ongoing debate that Jesus was having with these other religious leaders. This religious leader, he realized that Jesus had, had answered well. Oh, good job, Jesus. You're doing a good job. Like Jesus needed the affirmation. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, verse 29, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel. And by the way, just so you know, this is, this is for us to take. Listen, O Israel, this is for you and I. If you today are like, I'm a believer in Jesus, you're included in this, listen, O Israel. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must, there's, 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 no, there's no like question there, is there? Must is what? Must, okay. Now we cleared that up. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. Let me summarize that with everything. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself no other commandment is greater than these. So when Jesus is pressed on how to resolve the tension, the same tension you and I feel, how we live life together as humans and humanity, what does Jesus say? Love is the answer. <laughs> but what he provides us with in this scripture is a divine order to love for us to imitate if we look below the surface. So we're going to get below the surface today. Today, stand out love. I want you to know this. Stand out love looks like someone and stand out love looks for someone. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Father, we pray this morning and we ask one thing. Would you please give us the ability to hear this morning the truth about how you love people? Lord, that this morning we would ask for your Holy Spirit, the power and the presence of who you are, to be evident, to be with us, to speak to hearts, to be able to give us the ability to have ears to hear and hearts to not just understand, but the seed of what has been given today through your scripture, 
the account of your character, your nature, and your attributes, Lord, that it would take root in our hearts and it would begin to transform us to look more like you. Thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, standout love looks like someone. First John 4, 8 says, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Has anyone ever heard this before? God is love. Okay, let me, let me define for you love. There's a few things we have to get straight here because if we leave it up for interpretation, we're going to have hundreds of different interpretations of love based on how you perceive you should be loved, but that's not actually the definition of love. Okay, so let's look at biblical godly love. God is love. He is the person of love. This is what this word love means, and it's the word agape. It's an attribute of God. That's why it says God is love. It's an attribute of God. It's seen in his affection, goodwill, benevolence toward humanity. God is, this is something for us to know, God is holy love, not H-O-L-Y. We'll get to that in a second, but holy, like all of him. He can't get out of the fact that he just, he steps into the room. I, I will tell you right now, God shows up in the room right now. What you're going to be overwhelmed by, what you're going to fall on your face and be in tears overwhelmed by is a sense of love. Why? Because it, 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 it's, it permeates him. It is who he is. He can't step in and do anything but love. So God is holy love. His nature is summed up in love. Now, I want to make a statement very quickly so that we understand something. God is love, but love is not God. In our culture, we make love God. Love is an attribute of God. Love is not God. Do you understand this? God's nature attributes are summed up, however, by his holiness. So God is a holy God. Let me read this scripture to you, 1 Peter 1.13. So prepare our minds for action and exercise self-control. This is, this is being written, so let's just take this personally, okay? So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Okay. Put all of your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world when he, when he's revealed to you personally, and then also in his second coming, when he comes back and he, he like goes, okay, final deal. We're done. Listen to this. So you must live as God's obedient children. There's that word must again. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. So let me stop and say this real quickly. Don't slip back into your old way of thinking. Your old way of thinking, when we get done today, my hope is that your old way of thinking about love, that you don't slip back into that old way of thinking, that you stay present in the way of thinking that God has given us because we're reading who is attribute, like this is God's attribute and it's covered by his holiness. So follow up, verse 15. But now you must be holy in everything you do. That means the way that I, I love needs to be from a position of holiness. But you now must be holy in everything that you do, just as God who chose you is what? Holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. This is what holiness means. Holiness means set apart, set aside. It always carries a sense of purity. God, so what is God set apart from? Let me make this very, very elementary for us. God is set apart from sin. He can't have any part of it. 
God can't have any part in sin. He's set apart from sin. So his love sets sin apart. He sent his son Jesus to be what? To be the intermediary, to live in our lives. And we say yes to Jesus, the cross, the resurrection, we're going to celebrate in a handful of weeks. Because of Jesus, we now can be in relationship with God. God is set apart from sin. Why? He's pure. Let me describe pure for you. Absolutely flawless. I have flaws. Okay, pretty much reason number one, I'm not God. Okay? Absolutely flawless, that's God. Having no selfishness, boom. Reason number two, I'm not God. I'm selfish. I'm human. Wickedness or sin, there's no wickedness or sin mixed in with it. We still live in a world where sin knocks at our door. God's not affected by it. If you're like me in our humanity, there's effects of sin in our life sometimes still. But we have a God that's given us the ability to stand against it. So set apart, being set apart, being holy, means different from everything we experience in creation. So let me tell you something. Love, God is love. It's a holy love. That means it's a love that's been set apart. It has no sin attached to it. It's flawless. It's pure. I love R.C. Sproul says this. God's love is not ordinary or profane. It is a majestic, sacred love that goes far beyond anything creatures can manifest. No shadow of evil covers the brightness of the pure glory of the love of God. God's holiness sets him apart, sets his love apart, and sets our love apart as a follower of Jesus. John, 1 John 4, 8 says, But anyone who does not love does not know God. So this first love, God loves agape. He is love. He agapes. (laughs) This word, but anyone who does not love does not know God. So love's beginning to look like someone. And and, and can can I just suggest to you that that someone that love is beginning to look like is not me? I don't want to burst your bubble, but it's actually not you either. Love looks like someone, but I'm not that someone and neither are you. And then it's like, if, 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 if I'm not loving, then I don't even know God. This, this scripture that I just read, the follow-up with God is love, but anyone who does not love. So, so God, how am I supposed to love? God is pure. So this word in the Greek for, for God is love is agape. This is ag- agapeo. And this is what this word means. Anyone who does not love... It's a human response to God's holy love. God loves you so that he agapes you, but his love, his agape for you, you have a, you have a response of love. It's, it's not one-sided. Too often in culture what we do is we go, love me. But we don't return love. This is, I won't go there. 
So listen to this definition of agapeo, human response to God's holy love. With the believer, now if you're not a believer, if you don't follow this concept of Jesus died for your sins to reconcile you to a father who created you. By the way, he did this out of this love I'm talking about. That's okay. You may be looking for something. But if you're a believer in Jesus, this is what this type of love directs us toward. Listen to this. With the believer, love means actively doing what the Lord prefers with him by his power and by his direction. God is a, God is a person and he has preferences on how he's loved. Now I'm married, not, not everyone in this room is married, I get it. But let me tell you something, my wife has preferences on how she likes to be loved. She likes going on hikes. She likes taking her shoes off and walking in the dirt and grounding with the earth. I don't. If there's a grain of sand anywhere in my bed, one grain, my body feels it. And I rip the sheets off my bed and I beat my bed until that one grain of sand is gone. My wife thinks it's like the earth snuggling with her. If I don't see love as a give to the preference of the person that I'm loving, my life would be hell. I hike because my wife prefers to be loved that way. God is a person and he has a preference, but when we say yes to Jesus, there's a preference on how we love God. We agapeo. Love looks like someone, looks like God, and we should love him in response like God prefers to be loved. This is why there's a disconnect, there's a cognitive dissonance between me saying, I follow Jesus, but yet I continue to live my life how I want to live it. That's contrary to the preferences of how God wants to be loved. Keeping in mind, his love is holy, it's pure, has no part with sin. But he loves you, and he loves me. He continues to love you. He continues to love me. What this implies is affectionate reverence, prompt obedience, grateful recognition of benefits that have been received because God loved you and I. Mark 12, 30 says, And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart. We just said this. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength, you have been agaped by God, so agapeo God. You have been loved by God, so return to him the love that he's loved you with. And do it the way that the Lord prefers to be loved, not on how you prefer to spend your time outside. If he likes going on a hike, you're going on a hike with God. Listen, some of you in your life have been going on a hike with God and you're irritated by the transitions of what that hike represents. There's a process that he has you in. Don't jump out of the process because what he wants, how he wants to love you is actually found within the process of the hike. God, why am I in this process? I'm loving you. 
God, why did I get hit five months ago and why did I find myself in a hospital bed almost dead? God didn't cause it, but you know what? He's like, I'm loving you. I'm making you more like me. I'm ridding you and reconciling your heart and areas of your heart that I'm utilizing this to reconcile and restore. But Pat, would you just as I agape you, would you agape on me? Would you remember that God, that, that me as a person, God, I am love. Would you remember that, that, that it, it, without me, there would be no life. There would be no joy. There would be no fulfillment. Love looks like the holy God who is the person of holy love. So we're going to step in to stand out by how you agapeo from being agape how you love from being loved, which number two means we're going to stand out by loving someone because love looks for someone. Love looks like someone, and we've now established love. It's not humanity. Love does not look like humanity. It looks like the God who created humanity. And we're going to stand out. Love looks for someone. Love begins with the body of Christ. I love in Scripture when you read the Bible as a believer, loving God's body of believers with a holy love according to God's preferences rather than your own. It's one of the first places that when you read in Scripture that the authors of these texts, these historical texts are like, hey, listen, um, followers of Jesus, can you love each other really well? I'm like, just, just, just for conversation's sake, if every one of you are believers, what I'm saying to you is, is can we just love each other really, really well? Let's start, let's start here. John 13, 35 says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I hate everybody. And I post on Facebook and Instagram and I make YouTube videos and I have a channel about how much I hate the church. And, and I'm doing it to hold the church accountable. I hate the church. I love Jesus, but I hate the church. I think you should follow Jesus, but you just don't have to like his bride. You can be friends with Pat, but you just have to hate Chandra. I'm sorry. You want to be friends with me and you got an issue with my bride, you and I are going to have an issue. It is impossible for us as a church to prove to anyone outside of the four walls of this physical building, the church, that we truly have been loved, agape by a God who is love, if we can't love one another. We can't do it. It says it's going to prove. Do you know what this I, I love. I love language. Prove is this word gnosko. Gnosko is, is to be known by experience. So like I say to my kids, like, hey, uh, the other day I'm driving and my daughter goes, Daddy, I love you. She's three. I was like, oh, it's so sweet. I go, I love you too. I said, how do you know Daddy loves you? She's like, ah. Uh. She's thinking, right? To her, it's probably because like, she eats candy, or there's some, there's some selfish reason. I want, I want my kids, God wants you to know by experience his love. He wants you to see it 
Then he wants you to experience it. I know cerebrally about God's love, but then I, was, I encountered his love. I experienced his love. I woke up 22 years ago from the wreck I was in as an alcoholic, issues in my marriage, a horrible dude who was self-centered and selfish, and I encountered and I experienced the powerful, outside of creation, love of a living God. This is what the church has to prove when we love one another. And this word love is the same love that says we're going to love one another based on God's preferences, his power, and his desires. You know, people are like, why should I serve at the church? God prefers you do. Because it's his body. My right hand is struggling a little bit from my accident. My left hand serves my right hand. You know, I've been doing a lot with my, I'm right-handed. I've been doing a lot with my left hand. My left hand serving the rest of my body. Pretty important piece. Sometimes there are pieces of the body that are in a season of handicap that need you maybe as the left hand to step in to help the right hand do what it was called to do. Why do I need to serve at the church? Because that's how God prefers that you love. You know, why... I don't get, you know, like, why should we tithe? I walk in on Sunday morning, the lights are on, the band's playing. You know, when it's cold, it's heated. And when it's hot, the AC's blowing. Seems like everything's taken care of. Can I tell you something? This is why you should tithe. By the way, tithe is 10%. This is why you should do it. Because it's a rhythm of reminding you that you are not the center of love and God has a preference. Because what we're doing is we're going after, we're part of, seeing the reconciliation of what's happening in humanity, being touched and experienced what? The love of a living God. It requires sacrifice for the purpose of making the set-apart love of God known to our neighbors. Our love for one another here, believer to believer, as the body of Christ makes us ambassadors for our neighbors to experience the immeasurable love of God. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Jesus is at the center of this. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of what? Reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. What? Come back to God. Why would I plead as an ambassador... One who has been set apart, a representative who has been, ambassador, representative who has been set apart for the purpose of, of a king's preference for his kingdom. Why, why is it come back to God? Why would I say in the midst of my humanity, come back to God? Because I know that if you come back to God and you encounter him, you're encountering the person of love. Not how I can love you, only how he can love you. 
And then I love this, that love expands to everyone. Starts here and then it expands. Love is looking for everyone. <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, love people how you are being loved by God, not how you love yourself. Slight adjustment. A lot of people are like, love your neighbor as yourself. Like, oh, well, if I can love myself really well, then I can love you really well. I'm like, wrong. Because you and I are actually terrible about loving ourselves well. Just, I, just being honest. Don't mistake arrogance for affection in ourselves. This is love your neighbor as yourself. And how, what is yourself being loved by? By a God who is love, who has a holy love that is outside of creation, transcendent. It's outside of anything you and I can do and it's pure. What are neighbors? Neighbors are everyone. So they're both Christian and non-Christian. Well, God, they just, you know, this, we, we use these words, you know, the world. <laughs> you are the world. Somehow we like, we, we get like an award show for sin. See, my, 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 my sin is on the lower shelf. But your sin? Seriously, top shelf sin. You just are, you're an, uh, you're an overachiever, obviously. You win with sin. So a neighbor is a Christian and a non-Christian. It's a person you agree with and disagree with. You know, this is a massive issue in society right now. If you, like, we've lost our ability to just love each other even though there's disagreements. It's with agreement or disagreement. It's those that you may like or dislike. <laughs> Neighbors are who? I just don't like the way that that person looks. Who cares? We're going to love our neighbors with God's preference that his holy love through you will set up an encounter with Jesus. Catch this. We're going to love people with a holy love with the preference. This is God's preference, by the way. That this type of love will set up an encounter with Jesus. Can I, can I, can I just, can I just, I want to ease some tension. What I just described to you in the last handful of minutes is absolutely impossible. It's impossible. You can't love me that way. I can't love you that way. Let's just be honest about it. We need the set apart from sin, holy love of God in us to move through us. 
If I'm not being loved by God and immersed and sitting in this love, like daily going back to it, that's the power of rhythms and practices. If I'm not going back to it, if I'm not reminded of it, it's so easy to forget. I need the power of God in my life, loving through me. I love this passage in Romans 5, 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God gave his son for God so loved the world. He gave his son. When the person of his son reconciled what needed to be reconciled on the cross, he then said, I'm going to give again out of my love. I'm going to give you out of my holy love. I'm going to give you a Holy Spirit. There's lots of spirits. Seriously. There's lots of spirits. But God's spirit is holy. Set apart, pure, flawless. We love out of a holy power rather than a human-centered performance. God's church, you and me, are carrying a completely different love that the world needs. Our role is to love God and love people the way that God loves us and let the Holy Spirit do the transformational work. Let me say that again. Love people the way that God loves us and let the Holy Spirit do the transformational work. The difficulty happens when we show up in people's lives for behavior modification. Real quickly, we gotta understand this. Jesus Christ himself said, while we were yet still sinners, showed up as a human in my humanity. I was, I was dramatically impacted by this. When, when I got in an accident five months ago, I'm laying in a hospital, and humans media tells us give up on humanity. Sometimes we get a little bit cynical. Like, what's wrong with people? What's the matter with people? And depending on what side of the aisle you vote, right? Depending on what side of the aisle you may sit economically. Like, we, we can point finger really easily, like, what's wrong with people? And I'm laying there in the bed, and here's what I wrote. This is, this is one of my, my biggest takeaways from laying in a hospital bed for three weeks in Utah. Humans who had no requirement of me showed up in my humanity. And, I, and, and the Lord started speaking to me. He's like, hey, how often, Pat, do you show up as a human in other people's humanity without the prescription of they need to modify their behavior like it's my job to love you and bring you to, into an encounter with Jesus and then tell you what you need to do right. Now I can give you, okay, follow me. I can give you instruction on what it looks like to follow God based on his preferences, but then the Holy Spirit has to do the transformational work. Are you following me this morning? 
This is, let me see if I can communicate this clearly and well. In a world today where affirmation equals love, it is entirely possible for me to show up in your life and affirm that you are a God-created being with an original design and at the same time not affirm your behavior that is not in accordance to God's preferences on how he wants to be loved. Are we willing to show up? Our obligation to God can be summarized in this as a follower of Jesus. Love God with everything because he loves us first and love people the way God loved us. I'm not perfect. But I'm on the process and I'm in the journey. I'm on the hike. God's transforming and changing me. That's what the power of God's love does. Are we loving God? Are we showing up in the relationship? Because love looks like someone. And are we loving others? The way that God's loved us. Only by the power of his Holy Spirit. Let's take a moment. If you can, just close your eyes. Yeah, I think there's probably two different sets of ears that are hearing this this morning. One, someone that's never experienced, really, truly never experienced this immaculate, powerful, pure, transcendent, outside of human ability, outside of creation. Someone that's never experienced this love of God. To know that God created you with a purpose, a design, that you have an origin, that you came from a God who, is, who embodies love, who is a holy God, who has been set apart from everything that maybe you've experienced. And sometimes in life, what happens is, is underneath the name of love, people sometimes in humanity and our imperfections underneath the heading of love do really destructive things. People that say, I love you, maybe are a source of hurt and pain for you. And I think God wants to minister to that. He wants, why? He wants to utilize this moment where I'm standing right now as an ambassador with the authority from a king. By the way, you are the same, you have the same ability to stand as an ambassador with an authority. God has a preference toward how you're being loved. And, and I'm telling you this morning, 
It doesn't matter where you sit. It doesn't matter where you're at on the hike. It doesn't matter what the environment looks like. I'm telling you, God loves you. Not because you've done anything. Not because you've done anything right. But his heart is that as we understand and experience his love, that he begins to transform the parts of us that at the time we think this is the right equipment for the hike. This is gonna be the most fulfillment for the journey. And God has the ability to reach in your heart and say, hey, listen, I have something for you that you don't even have the ability to understand if you trust me. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the first thing that I would say to you this morning is, let's step into a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Father who loved you said, I'm gonna send my son because I loved you. I'm gonna send my son to you. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus this morning, I wanna give you an opportunity, and this is very simple. Now I want you to know something. We take stepping into a relationship with Jesus really serious, so I'm gonna ask you, First and foremost, if you want to step into a relationship with Jesus, but the next thing I'm going to do, I'm going to be real up front. Next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you before you leave here to let someone know. Following Jesus is not, we're not part of a secret society. We're part of a body. So we want to come alongside you. We want to walk with you. We're willing, listen, we're willing to walk with you to bring each other into encounters with Jesus and walk through sometimes really messy stuff, but we're not afraid of it. And we wanna see the Holy Spirit do things that only the Holy Spirit can do. And so if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you, you understand this morning like, wow, that is a love that I've never experienced, a sacrificial love that would send his only son to die for me, to do for me, to love me in a way that is pure, that is flawless. Would you do me a favor and just raise your hand and just say, I need to experience, amen. I need to experience this type of love. And this is as simple as it is. You're just simply saying, God, I'm, I'm making the choice to place my faith, my hope, and my trust in you, in your son, Jesus. For some of you, now, if you made that decision this morning, there's a few hands. And what that means is, is that the rest of you know Jesus or, you, or you're waiting for the next time you get an opportunity. For the rest of us in the room, are you showing up? If you're a follower of Jesus, are you showing up in your relationship with God and loving God based on how he prefers to be loved by his power, by what he desires? Or are you showing up and loving God based on how you prefer God love you? This is an important question. 
consequently, are you, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're like, I'm, yeah, God, I love you, are you showing up as a human in other people's humanity? One of the most powerful, can you imagine for a split second, just for a second, can you imagine right now a church, you, me, people, the body of Christ, can you imagine if we take this to the nth degree and we're willing to show up as humans in other people's humanity, can you imagine for one second what our neighborhoods begin to look like, what our cities begin to look like, what our states begin to look like? Can you imagine for one second what happens when we look at somebody and we go, you know that you and I don't believe in the same God. You and I don't actually subscribe to the same philosophies. You and I don't vote the same party line, but you know, here's the deal. You're my neighbor. A neighbor is a person that's in front of you right now. You're in front of me right now. And what I'm willing to do, just like the great people in Utah that did in my life, this is the person that's in front of me right now. I'm willing to show up as a human in your humanity. You may say, Pat, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to show up as a human in other people's humanity. I don't know how to solve. We don't need to solve problems. We don't need to say the right thing. Sometimes the best thing to do is just show up and say, you know, I just want you to know I'm here for you. What you're saying to people is, what I'm not doing is I'm not running away from your problem. I'm not running away from your mess because God never ran away from my mess. He's not afraid of my mess. Can you imagine what would happen as we walk this out? I want to encourage you. We have an amazing opportunity as we're coming up to Resurrection Sunday to what we call Easter. We have an amazing opportunity. You have an amazing opportunity to invite one person, a neighbor, a person. Like, Pat, they don't, even, they don't even believe in God. Great, perfect. We don't have to be in agreement. I'm just going to show up. Hey, would you be willing to come and spend some time with me at church, you have such an incredible opportunity, low on-ramp to invite someone to show up in someone's life. Why? Not so we can fill more seats, but so that we can see more people loved and have an encounter with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the center of it all and changes everything. I just wanted to introduce you to this love. Would you join me in standing this morning? We're going to walk out of here right now. Did anybody learn something new this morning? I preached to five of you. Amen. I'm just sorry for the sarcasm. Did anyone learn anything new here this morning? All right. I asked that question because the teacher, part of my heart, wants to be sure that you're grabbing a hold of some, some truths that I firmly believe have life-changing capability. I believe the message you just heard has the ability, if taken seriously and walked out, to change your life and to give you joy and satisfaction and fulfillment that you've never experienced in your life. So if you could just join me in prayer, just close your eyes. If you feel open to doing so, just hold your hands out in front of you and open them up as if you're going to receive a gift. That's all this is. It's just a physical posture to say, hey, we're going to open our hands up and receive something because God wants you to receive something. Why? Because he's a giving God. 
So God, thank you for being a giving God and sending your son, Jesus Christ. Today, what we ask for is we ask for right now, literally in some way, some form, some fashion that we can tangibly feel and understand, would you send your Holy Spirit to fill our hands and our hearts, to be able to give us the ability to do what we can't do in our own humanity. It's impossible for us to actually complete this task of what you've asked us to do without the empowerment of your spirit. So God, what we ask for right now is the power of your Holy Spirit to come, to fall, to rest, to reside, for us to stay, for it to take root, for it to permeate, to saturate, to make it so that as we walk, when you're saturated, you know, you get, it's, it's like a wet sponge. You just can't help. You're just gonna leave the residue of what you're saturated with as you go. And so God, I pray right now that our little church, that each one of us as people would be saturated so greatly by the Holy Spirit to the point that as we walk, we're like sloshing the love of God all over the place. We're dripping, we're dropping, like we shake hands and people are like, oh my gosh, what is different about this person? The people would feel the powerful presence of a living God through your spirit that lives in us that we don't have it in ourselves, but we have the ability to call upon you to bring people into an encounter with the love of God through his son, Jesus Christ. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would transform the hearts of each one of us. We thank you. In Jesus' powerful name, we all say amen and amen. Go in the power of God's spirit and love someone.